What is up, MMA on Point? It's me, Jason Hartley. Just kidding. It's Lawton. So what's going on, guys? I know this is the face you were expecting to see, but Jason, you can probably hear him, is literally walking out of the door to go on a trip across the country. Who knows where? We'll have to find out. But I will be kind of running the stream today. We do have some two um, amazing guests, which we'll get to in a second. But we want to give a quick shout out to Venom, as you can tell by this badass shirt that I'm wearing, for kind of doing a partnership with us. So if you go to their website, and all this is in the description too if you need it. If you go to their website, use the code MMA on point, you get 10% off anything on their store. So please support them for supporting us and kind of partnering with us. We just love being a part um, with the UFC like partnership that they have going on. So it's just awesome to be a part of the whole thing and seeing where this goes. So please support them. And with no further ado, please give a welcome to our co-host today, the one and only Pete Carroll and Anthony Walker. What is going on, guys? What up, what up, what up, what up? Good morning or good evening to you, Pete. Yeah, man, it's 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 still bright out. We have the kind of daylight savings times kicking in here, so at least it's not dark out. We're we're about six p.m. I know it's a lot earlier for you. You've just finished your bacon and eggs, and I'm very jealous. They look good. It was really good. Breakfast was dope today, man. I love bacon and eggs. So simple. And I got my coffee. I got this M&M flavored creamer. Ooh, yeah, daddy like. <laughs> we don't have that in Ireland. All this oh, stuff man. in the new world. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you got to get with the times, baby. <laughs> all right boys so let's we are usually if you come here every week we usually dive straight into the kumite crunch but something happened very early this morning that we didn't have time to include in the kumite so do you two want to kind of start us off with the i don't know scandalous uh mcgregor poirier situation so what are your kind of thoughts on this whole thing pt yeah, well, it's a big deal. This whole uh, charity snub thing um, has certainly personalized it for McGregor, I think. Um, obviously, ahead of the first fight with Poirier, a big part of the promotion was based around his philanthropy, something he's done a lot of in Ireland, especially, you know, frontline workers getting PPE, um, helping local sports clubs, this kind of thing. And it's funny to me because obviously Dustin brings up the fact that he hasn't paid the money. Everybody... When this fight was even being floated as a as a trilogy idea, everybody was like, "We have no interest in this." A little bit of shit talk happens, and everyone's like, "It's a different Connor. This is a different fight." All of a sudden, I can't wait to see what happens here. But you know, it, it's done a job in that sense. Um, it certainly stirred the pot quite considerably. Um, I think it makes sense for July tenth. Uh, it makes sense for the UFC to have a full crowd back. Um, I don't know how safe that is. I'm still pretty much in lockdown over here, so that's the whole idea of it's insane to me. But um. Yeah, amazing. That's pretty much what I think everybody wanted here. Poirier wanted the Connor fight. Connor wanted the Poirier fight. UFC wanted to be able to make as much money out of it as possible. And it seems like a lot of people are suddenly interested again. So I think UFC, Connor, and Poirier will be rubbing their hands together. Yeah. Anthony, you got some thoughts on this whole fiasco falling out? Um, yeah, man, the, this whole little spat between them was just really dumb. And I think it only has excited stupid people to, to get, getting riled up like, oh, good, new Connor's back. Like, he's still the same guy. Like, this is this is such a, a manufactured attempt at drumming up interest, I, I believe. I think Connor's stock has been is at an all time low right now as far as the, the interest that he can generate with fans. So you got to resort back to the the old 
you know, crap talking ways and, and maybe that'll drum up some some interest. But it does literally nothing for me. And in fact, I think it's I think it's one of the scummier things um that Connor has done. And Connor's done some some pretty, you know, bad things, but this is pretty crappy to like say you're gonna donate to a charity and just not do it. Um and then to accuse uh, Poirier who has made his nonprofit like the records and financial records of public like to accuse them of being frauds and stuff when they've done some very obvious good work i i think it's just silly i think it's an attempt to drum up interest like it it would it, it was actually kind of getting conspiracy theories turning in my head because y'all know how i get down with those when it comes to matchmaking <laughs> and whatnot um because i think it was the same day that they had their spat was when the Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz fight just disappeared off the UFC website, and people were kind of making a big deal of it. I was like, uh, are they about to, are they about to pull some foolishness? Like, I I thought maybe we were going to get some foolishness, and this was sort of like a, a catalyst for it. But who knows, man? The the fight's going to be the fight. We'll be watching, and and when we break down the X's and O's, that'll be one thing. But as far as the the trash talk, I have so little interest, and I'm disappointed at you people who do have interests. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good point you made, um, and because Connor was involved in scandalous headlines for a long time, right? Like the New York Times, all that stuff, um, alleged sexual assaults, all this kind of stuff. But the people of Ireland, the most notable reaction to him, or at least palpable reaction, negative reaction to him, was when he hit a guy in the bar, right? Like that was a big, like, oh my God, it's strange the way people work, right? But this is like that again for me. Like, I'm seeing the same kind of people, like people that generally aren't interested in the sport ringing, ringing me like, did he snub this dude on, on the payment to this charity? Like, this is this is something that really doesn't look good for him, right? Not, not at all, man. But, but at the same time, he's also someone who isn't necessarily worried about a PR look. Um, the only time I can remember him doing, like, true damage control was after punching the guy at the bar. And he did that interview with, with Ariel uh, where he looked really, really uncomfortable. I... I <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just think I think maybe Connor is reaching desperately to try to find some motivation that he's lacked since cashing in, you know, these crazy paydays and Mayweather fight and all that. So, so that's what this feels like to me. This feels like a, a, a desperate reach. Connor is a very smart guy. He's very crafty. So maybe he didn't pay this after the fight specifically for this moment like that. I, I think that's a distinct possibility. I do still find a lot of the conversation centered around it really stupid. Like this does not mean that Conor McGregor is suddenly once again the the apprentice plumber who has to fight to make ends meet. This this is not the guy that's going to be screaming 50 G's baby or 60 G's whatever the bonus was for that that particular event. Like he's not going to be doing that. This is he this is still for a steak the, these days. Yeah, this is this is the the super rich guy who just bought like a 2 million dollar watch. And has like pinstripe fuck you suits. Like this is this is not the dude. Okay, so um, if he comes in as a better prepared fighter, then yes, this will be uh, a, a vintage Conor performance. Like perhaps maybe he should train for an MMA fight this time, and not a boxing match. Just just throwing that out there. It's it's funny, right? Because there was so much closure from that second fight. It felt right. It felt like we've seen it now. We know what happens now. It feels like people think it's completely different all of a sudden because of this beef. Like, I mean, there's only so far emotion can take you in a fight, right? Like, I mean, only months ago we found out that Dustin Poirier, like, you know, he, he beat him with a technique Connor Connor pretty much said he hadn't seen before. 
Um, that's that's pretty much a dominant win, no matter what way you look at it. I know Connor had his moments in the fight, but they just weren't as big as Poirier's moments. Does it feel like to you everyone suddenly has rethought about this and they're like, suddenly, I think he has a way better chance than I did yesterday? Because that's what it kind of felt like to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. And I, I think we can like look toward like how exciting the sport was when Connor was on his rise. And I think a lot of people want to see that again. You know, that was about when I I think when he won the the interim title, that was actually the first podcast I had done was like that for that particular fight. And I remember just being some sort of, you know, fringe media guy. And like this was really exciting seeing what he was able to do. This was so exciting to see how much interest he could drum up, how how um, fans getting so electrified and then being at UFC 229 and just feeling the energy in the building like that is a moment in time that I think people desperately want to capture again. So anything you can cling on to make you think that's coming back, they're probably going to do it because whether we we love him or hate him, the sport is more entertaining when he is around. So him in top form means we're getting quality entertainment at all times. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think his run, um, you know, his championship run, there was about 18 months there where it felt like he was untouchable. Um, obviously, it's not gone that way. It's not continued to be that way, but it still happened, right? Like that that run was absolutely unprecedented at the time. Uh, we'd never seen so much attention on the lighter weight divisions in the sport. Like, I mean, I, I was here in Ireland watching people who had never heard of this sport before suddenly become armchair experts. Like, I'm talking everybody, grandmothers, grandfathers. It was absolutely insane. But, I mean, the fact that they got that moment with Connor, the fact that they got so much broader interest in the sport, the fact that they know, like, that their fighters can do this and they still won't pay John Jones to fight Francis Ngannou drives me crazy. I'm like, this is obviously a huge fight that's right in front of you that has the potential to get hold of the world the way Conor McGregor did in that 18-month run, it's kind of frustrating. I know I'm changing topics here, but I mean, I, I just, it's it. the more and more we go and we don't hear about this fight being made, it's driving me crazy. There's only so many moments the UFC can have to get this huge, broader cultural interest onto this sport. And it's just so obvious that John Jones and Nganu is the fight to do that with. Um, I mean... How do you feel about that whole situation? Is it as obvious to you as it is to me? Like, it just feels like this is another one of these moments that they need to capitalize on. I thought we had Adesanya and Jones, and that's gone now. And you're like, please don't take the same chance here. Please don't take the same chance. Don't act like Derek Lewis can't sleep Francis Ngannou or beat him in some kind of way and completely remove this from the table because it's MMA. Shit happens. Yeah, they they continually do things like this. And we can look back on the history of the UFC and see so many moments in time that they miss. They miss GSP versus Silva. Like, they miss, like, we got uh, Woodley versus Covington. But we got it well after it really meant what it could have meant. Yeah. Um. They, so they, they've taken the, the obvious, like, the alley and nobody said oop. It, it's just absolutely amazing to me. It's like this, this, this way of shooting themselves in the foot all the time. And, and the, the, you know, without us, I'm sure maybe this will take us into a broader conversation and that's fine because this is what we do. PT. We, we start <laughs> rambling on and, and, and y'all listening or whatever. That's what it is. Um, Like it seems like they will sabotage themselves to maintain whatever power and leverage they can over the roster. 
you know, and, and it seems like every single time they have a moment where they can make a splash in the broader culture, that's the route that they go. Like, how do we rein in the power of the fighter? So at, at a moment where, granted, this would have been very morally irresponsible, but we know the UFC is not all about morals. Um, what? Like, like, I know, right? Shocking. Uh, fight promoters are scummy. Ooh. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, <laughs> like, like Woodley versus Covington at the time that it was supposed to happen. I mean, a lot like a political flashpoint, like, a you know, something that crosses socioeconomic and, and racial lines uh, for for promotion, something that, that combat sports has always done, by the way. Like that's yeah. that's nothing new. Um, they could have captured that. They could have tried to monetize that. No, they don't, because uh, Covington wants to get paid, you know, somewhat relative to being in a pay-per-view title fight. Uh, so we'll scrap that. Um, then for like GSP Silva, like, oh, or, or Silva wanting to box Roy Jones. Like, no, we need control over the fighters. They have taken every single moment that could have been something really special and just sabotaged it because we want to maintain power. Um, and this is what's going on now. And like, how silly, like Francis Ngannou was a guy who can carry a continent, an untapped continent that is densely populated, um, has a wealth of economic resources. Um, it's just, this this untapped and a market. a huge but... fighting culture, right? Like across many Absolutely. of the countries. Like, I mean, guys like from all over Africa have different fighting cultures. And it just feels like if you guys are the first people there and, and, and Ngannou is already really, really, um, his success has reverberated through the continent already. It feels just so obvious, man. It's just like, can can someone just slap someone upside the head and say, look at what's in front of you? Look at what's in front of you. But but no, let's uh, we don't want to pay Jones, you know, more than 10 million, despite the fact that that boxers uh, make a lot more with a lot less pay-per-view sales than Jones is responsible for. Um, God forbid the greatest talent that the sport has ever seen gets paid properly. God forbid. Ridiculous. Yeah, this, Absolutely this ridiculous. Game. Like as soon as he's booked for a fight, if it's against if it's against Francis or it's not, they're gonna be like, here is the greatest fighter who's ever lived. And then he has media members look like looking at media members bewildered, going, He wants as much money as Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is the third best heavyweight in the world. It just it just it just baffles me. And and I guess the point I'm making is you're kind of talking about they keep on reheating the Connor story, hoping that it will have the same impact. When there's something right there that everyone seems to know is going to have this enormous impact, and you're like, what are we doing? Yeah, microwave Connor ain't it. It ain't. Like, you know, I would love to see Connor McGregor as a fan. I would love to see Connor McGregor reclaim the glory that he's had and go on this this huge exciting run. And we all and the Mystic Mac thing starts again. That was so much fun to watch. But 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 play it ain't happening right now. So let's stop betting everything on that. Let's just move on because the sport always moves on. So let's just keep it moving forward. And perhaps maybe you can accidentally create other stars. God forbid. God wow. forbid. What so do I know? Crazy, That's crazy. What do I know? I'm just I'm just a nerd sitting here in Compton, man. What do I know? <laughs> so speaking of moving on, that was awesome. I'm not going to have to monitor you two at all today because you're going to just take the conversation by the reins. But... Let's jump into Kumite so we can get that <laughs> out and let the uh, general chat kind of happen. So if you are new here to the chat, this is our segment called the Kumite Crunch. It's going to be five topics. We're going to wrap it around one minute each for Anthony and Pizzi, and you guys are going to vote on who should take it. So we're going to just kind of swing in here. So we've got the headlines on the side of the screen. 
We kind of changed the format. I think it was a week or two ago. So we're going to actually vote who should take it, Anthony or PT, but for every other one. So say Anthony wins the first one, PT will take the next one, then we'll vote, and then the last one will be kind of the tiebreaker round. So right now, chat in the comments right now, if you want to uh, put your vote for PT or Anthony, you can only get one vote. We do this every week. If you spam it, we'll delete them or we just won't count it too much. So we got the first headline of one on TNT two. So go ahead, put your uh, vote in the chat. Should it be Anthony or PT? And kind of breaking down this headline. So what are your thoughts on the title fight between Christian Lee and Timothy Nastukin? I tried to try to say that right, but the casual side's coming out. So Let's jump over to the chat, see who we got. It's looking a little... Ooh, Anthony. They might be... This uh, is bullshit. They might he's be... He's completely new. What has he ever done for you people? This is it, bullshit. Oh, 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 I'm going to give it a few more. Oh, just provides you <laughs> sexiness. That's what he's done for you people. <laughs> good Lord, these people have good taste. Yeah, it's, it's close. But yes, Anthony, you win it. So oh, you get our you first... You get to talk about one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, all right so uh, hot topic when does start? yeah so i'll just count you down so yeah just tell us what are your thoughts about this title fight you got one minute starting now well uh you're gonna love to hear this i don't have too many thoughts on this title fight i mean it's gonna be a good fight like christian lee obviously is a good fighter timothy whose name we can't pronounce uh properly good fighter as well i mean the guy who upset Eddie alvarez yes i, I want to see that fight the problem is i live on the west coast meaning super tape delay so the fight's already tape delayed on tnt and then it's tape delayed even more for the west coast so i stopped caring like i didn't even watch last week i didn't go to the app like i'm not doing that i got youtube tv i got tnt i can watch it live let me watch the fights when they're actually on please this is 2021 why is tape delay sports a thing throw it in rice man i'm done with this <laughs> Only needed 40 seconds of the 60. All right. Well, there, oh you, my God. there you go. All right, Pizzi. He doesn't even give you value for money, and here's our picking ahead of me, huh? Hey, it's efficiency. Start the come of the time. They come here for sexiness and efficiency. That's why they're here. <laughs> All right, Pizzi. Same thing. You got one minute. Give us your thoughts on the one on TNT2 title fight. You got one minute starting now. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of casualties on this card and they aren't helping the situation. Martin Wynn was meant to fight on the card. Um, Liam Harrison and Sancho, I know that's a big Muay Thai fight. And then Buchecha, the jiu-jitsu god, was meant to make his debut as well. So those were all very interesting things they had in the undercard that are no longer there. I love the Christian Lee story. I love the whole family dynasty situation. Um, you know, Timmy, not not best versed in his work i do know he's beat eddie alvarez but i just think it's very hard to have people hanging on as much as they did for the likes of dj and eddie alvarez and to be honest the u.s debut on tnt did not go great like that whole situation with eddie alvarez and the blows to the back of the head like it just really confused a lot of people and then you have demetrius johnson uh being beaten emphatically by the same shot that peter yam was disqualified for so i mean it's just confusing to a lot of mma fans unfortunately so i hope it goes better this time all right cool so yeah with the new format pt you will be taking the next headline which is light heavyweight grand prix and then we will vote on the third one guys so chat hold your votes for right now so the next headline we got is light heavyweight grand prix so 
Bellator will be showcasing two more bouts in their light heavyweight Grand Prix on Friday. And who do you see winning this weekend? That's kind of what we're going to talk about here. So, PT, you got one minute. Who do you see winning in the Bellator heavyweight or heavy light heavy Grand Prix? I can't talk today. So, you got one minute starting now. I, I picked Nemkov from day one in this tournament, but I do think Phil Davis is one of the most difficult assignments he can get. He only beat Phil by split decision. Some people had a score for Phil, I believe. So, I mean, it, it's going to be hard to better that against Phil Davis, a guy who's got, shown great IQ throughout his career. For me, I'm actually more interested in the undercard fights than this. There's huge European fights. Saul Rogers, the guy who was forced out of his opportunity to get a UFC contract because visa issues back in 2015 he was a member of team mcgregor in that faber v mcgregor season he's taking on mads burnell who was without a doubt one of the great european featherweights of this moment so that's a huge fight you have pedro carvalho coming back after his loss to patricio pitbull so i mean there's paul daly's in action too i mean there's a lot of interest here from the european side of things um i expect anderson and nemkov to come away with victories but uh, I wouldn't be all too surprised if Phil Davis was able to uh, able to to get a win back on Nemkov. Nice, landed it on the minute mark. All right, Anthony, same topic, light heavy Grand Prix. Who do you see winning, and what are your thoughts? You got one minute, starting now. Well, let's just first show appreciation to the Grand Prix format. I'm glad that Bellator is really sticking with this, and they're they're really just going to drive this out for all of their weight classes. And regardless of how deep a weight class may be, regardless of the names and the star power in it, a Grand Prix is a great way to to get people excited. So I, I'm more excited about their light heavyweight division than I would have been otherwise, be, specifically because of this Grand Prix. That being said, like it's hard to pick against Nemkov right here. It's it's hard to pick against uh, against a champion. So you look at some of the names that stand out of course ryan bader the former champion Corey anderson uh fighting as well this um on this card um phil davis is definitely a dark horse but we got rumble in this tournament too we've got anthony johnson here that's something to be considered if he gets past you romero and doesn't look too bad for a guy with four years off or whatever the case may be that might be the guy to take it so pick rumble i'll pick rumble just slightly, maybe. <laughs> After four years out, rumble to win the whole thing. That is daring, and that is daring. The, the thing is, his style is just like he hits you hard. Like that's what he's gonna <laughs> do. He hits you hard, man. That don't that doesn't leave. Um, yeah. Of and, course, and that think, technical, te- uh, technical breakdown by Ant there. And Anthony, yeah, <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Boom. That's X's and O's right there. He hits hard. Sexiness and efficiency is what you came for. <laughs> Should have stayed in the weed farm business as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, your uh, your tagline of sexy and efficient is uh, going off in the chat right now. So oh, definitely definitely made some fans with that one. So all right, cool. So the check- sexiness of Compton with the efficiency of Germany. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Getting back on track. So, chat, we are going to vote on this one. So, who should take this uh, topic of Bobby Knuckles first, PT or Anthony? Please put your answers in the chat right now while I kind of prep it. 
So, well, look, I've been here five months and I haven't got a catchphrase, so I don't even blame you if you pick Anthony. I mean, Jesus Christ. Bessa, he, he's, what am I competing with here? Anthony's coming in hot today, and he's, 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 taken, he's, a, he's a fan favorite for sure. So, All right, so the headline, Bobby Knuckles. It's the prevailing wisdom that should Whitaker win this weekend, he will all but be guaranteed a title rematch against Adesanya next. So under what circumstances would this not be true? So that's kind of what we're talking about, kind of the future of Whitaker and Adesanya if uh, Whitaker wins this weekend. So let's jump to the chat, see who we got. Someone said, <laughs> Poopsie Carol, that was a joke from last week. That was funny. I don't Ooh. even need to poo this week, so I mean, you know, it came <laughs> correct. All right, this one is actually looking pretty close. Uh, let's see if a few more roll in, and I'll kind of determine those. Actually, no. Oh no! You probably give them that, that that mild threat where like if you spam it, we'll block you, or we just won't count it. So give them that one again. Yeah, yeah. I had to show them. I had someone that had a had a double one. So, uh, yeah. Actually, no. <laughs> we did just have two new ones roll in for Anthony. Three new ones for Anthony. So, all right. Bullshit. Two for two. Anthony is oh, killing it today. So, all right. It is a beautiful. Anthony, under what circumstances? I'm done with this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Pizzi's gone. So, all right, cool. Anthony, you got one minute. What circumstances would this not be true that Whitaker will not fight Adesanya next? You got one minute starting now. I think there's several circumstances, uh, the main of which being if he gets a win over Gaslam and it's just not very exciting. If If it's like a pedestrian decision, which I don't think it'll be like if, if it's something that excitement wise just doesn't move it, then yeah, that's not going to be a fight that is going to appeal to the matchmakers, I believe. Um, then also, Darren Till is still out there. I know he's injured right now, but that's the site. That's the fight that Adesanya actually wants, and what the champion wants is going to play a big factor in this. I understand completely if you're Izzy not wanting to rematch Robert Whitaker right now, considering how their first fight went. Um, so if there's any reason to not give him that, then it won't happen. And then also Marvin Vittori just, just picked up a win as well. And that fight was much closer between Izzy and Vittori. Maybe that appeals to him more. Um, but there, there are several ways that Whitaker will not get this rematch. And yeah, I think I just ran him down. So, uh, for the last three seconds, I'm just going to stare at the camera. Sexy. (laughs) I had to leave it there. I was just like, I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to change it now that you said that. All right, Pizzi, you got your one minute. What circumstances is this statement not true about Whitaker getting a rematch with Adesanya if he wins this weekend? Tell us your thoughts, starting now. Yeah, I mentioned it there. It's it's a weird situation, right? Because I talked to Eugene Berman ahead of the Yan fight. I talked to Izzy ahead of the Yan fight. And at that stage, they were saying... There's no interest in a Whitaker rematch. There's no interest in a Vittori rematch. There's no interest in a Brunson rematch. And these are all the guys that have made big statements lately. Guys who have fought Izzy before and lost, of course. But these are all the guys that are towards the top of that division. And obviously, there's Costa, who he absolutely destroyed. But he's not really made a big sign of intent. I I just get a feeling that we're going to see what Izzy's pulling power is all about now because it's a different thing whether we like it or not after the Yan defeat I, I still admire Izzy for going and trying to do that and, and daring to be great but you know I feel like he's gonna have to take one of these fights and that's something that he definitely did not want to do at one stage so I'm very interested to see his reaction to the main event this weekend 
Nice. If I could interject for just a second here, yeah. PT, and forgive me, Lawton, if, if this takes us on another no, no, wild chase. Oh, it's um, going. Here we go. But I think I think this is going to be one of the toughest tests of Adesanya's career simply because it's going to test his motivation. The, no matter who he gets paired up with, uh, except Till being the fresh matchup, like he he's he smoked Brunson, he finished Gastelum, uh, he smoked Whitaker, uh, and he's beaten Vittori's. And, and those being the, the top four names, it looks like right now, like if he has to fight them again, especially when he was preparing mentally to fight John Jones and preparing to take on the light heavyweight division, like that might mentally be a letdown. So what is his motivation going to be like coming in? And I think this is where we're going to see true championship form from him, whether or not he rises to that occasion to get over whatever disappointment, whatever, um, whatever ill feelings he has and, and just to go in there and get the job done. So this should be a very interesting task for uh, Izzy on that regard. If the person standing across from him loses some luster. I got, I got a question for you here. And if I'm his manager, I pick Vittori and I'll tell you why. It's hard to improve on the other ones. It's hard to improve on the Whitaker fight. It's hard to improve on the Brunson fight. If you're Izzy, you're going to be confident. Izzy's one of the greatest fighters in the world, regardless of what happened against Jan. I think the Vittori fight, in his mind, he can improve on that. That was a closer fight than those other ones. What do you think of that idea? Like, I mean, it feels like he can improve on his first performance over Vittori, where it will be very difficult to do that with the likes of Whitaker. I was in Melbourne for that. It was stunning. So, I mean, do you understand that kind of logic? Would you agree with that? I agree with that wholeheartedly because, like, you look at the other ones. So, like, um, yeah, you smoke Brunson. Like, you're not going to get a much per- much better performance than that. Same thing with Whitaker. And then Gaston. I mean, that's one of the, the greatest title fights in middleweight yeah. history. Um, so even if he went out there and, and dusted Gaston in, in 30 seconds or whatever – it won't be the same level of fun as it was watching their first fight. So that, that will be a level of disappointment there. So I, I think Vittori is probably right. That's, and that's the fight that can show the most growth in him as a fighter, because I, I have a hard time believing that the game plan that Vittori went in there with would be even remotely as successful as it was that night. Uh, if you tried to pull that off now and he would have the chance to show that off as well. Yeah. agree. Completely agree. Nice. <clears throat> All right. Moving on to the fourth headline. PT, you are starting this one. Just a reminder, we're not voting since Anthony won the second one in a row. Yeah, rub it in there, lot. Yeah, nice one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to forget about this. Sorry, I had, I had to, I had to <laughs> kind of stick the knife in there a little bit. So we got the headline. We got the headline <laughs> weekly standout. So just like this week, three of the world's major promotions each had cards last week. Which fight stood out to you most and why? So referring to last weekend with the whole triple header. So, Pizzi, which fight stood out to you the most and why? You got one minute starting now. I'm going to give you my three-star performers. Number one, Arnold Allen. Um, I've been aware of Sadiq Yusuf since he's 16 years of age um, when he was a jiu-jitsu prodigy under Lloyd Irvin. And, I mean, I, I see him as a future title contender regardless of what happened in the Allen fight. I saw him before he went into the UFC fight a guy called Dylan Tuke who was highly touted from the touted from the Irish scene and he destroyed him. He's brilliant. Um, it's just Arnold Allen was better at the weekend and I thought it was a tremendous performance and the UK fans need to start getting behind this guy. Don't let it be another Leon Edwards story. Number two, Rug Rug. You guys know him because we told him all. Of, we told you all about him um, and you're still watching that video. It's a record-breaking OP Prospects video. Um, amazing showcase. I didn't expect he was going to be challenged. He wasn't. He destroyed the dude. Big Swiss or whatever he was called. And finally, um, Adam Boric 
um, for once again underlining his promise with a win over Jeremy Kennedy at Beldar 256. So three different events, three different people to, to praise. That's where I'll leave you. Nice. All right. Anthony, same question. Any fights that stood out to you the most this weekend and why? You got one minute starting now. I'm going to take some of my minute to answer a question that I was not asked. Uh, and what I missed <laughs> most over uh, the last weekend was Fight Circus 3. Like, I really wanted to see some Siamese boxing, okay? And we didn't get that. That was a glaring hole in my weekend. So I can't wait for that event to be put back together. But if I'm going to answer the question that was asked of me, uh, because I like to cooperate here on MMA On Point Extras, um, I will have to give that to um, uh, Adriano Morais. Like, this is a guy who finished Demetrius Johnson, like, mm. perhaps the greatest martial artist that we've seen um, the, from a technical standpoint uh, to just pure domination. Like, DJ is it. He's the pinnacle. Uh, and and that reign has ended. Um, although, like, your man looked Ten like a welterweight seconds. in there considering exactly. the weight cutting uh, and hydration test and whatnot. So... <laughs> Yeah, that it is what it is, man. Uh, Marais finished DJ with the knee. Nice. All right. I mean, can I just can I sorry? Can I just yeah, yeah. ask about that? It has, it is filling me with bad thoughts about the fact that this was a one thirty five fight. You know, this was a one thirty five fight. Every UFC fighter we've got, we've gone and saw, gone over to one championship is fighting guys that are way bigger, and everyone's acting like, oh, this guy's gone and done what. All these flyweights in the UFC haven't been able to do for so long, apart from Saudo, of course. Highly contentious decision he won that night. But, I mean, it shouldn't be framed that way, right? Like, this was in a different weight class. This is Izzy going up to fight Yan, basically, right? Yeah, this is Izzy going up to fight Nganu. Like, there was, <laughs> like your, your man's thigh was bigger than DJ. And, and this is the same thing we've seen every time he stepped in the cage, for, for one. Like, the guy he's fighting is large compared to him and i know dj is already like kind of undersized even for flyweight but i mean the, the difference is just ridiculous you know and especially when we have the the questions about the transparency in their their weight divisions and hydration tests and whatnot oh uh, it just it just stinks to high hell to me so um but we got to give credit to to dude for pulling off the finish but let's it just because it was such a moment but man like he was in there fighting a welterweight. Like, what you expect? Yeah, it's it's that's I think that's the biggest issue for me. It's so different to to the UFC. You know, that's the, that's gonna be. And I, look, I think it. I think every promotion needs to be unique. But when you're kind of on TNT, um, Eddie Alvarez loses due to a criteria, um, an officiating criteria, the red card that isn't in the UFC, and then. DJ loses this guy that's in a different weight class, but it's kind of framed as though, like, you know, like the very opening of that show, they're all like, the UFC fighters have found it very difficult to live in one championships world. Well, they're all competing in a weight division higher than they're used to. I feel like this is one's biggest obstacle to, to becoming a, a big success in the US. What do you think? Yeah, that makes a, a very good point on that. I, I, but I think part of it is very deliberate on, on, on their behalf because... Mm -hmm. They can bring in UFC quality talent and let them get smoked under their banner. And they look like the stronger promotion. And we saw the chatter just light up when it's like, oh, yeah. and the UFC is supposed to have all the best fighters. We saw all that. Like your timelines were, were loaded with it. Um, 
so I think that's kind of the the approach they're going to. Like, keep in mind too what they did to um Sage Northcut. Jesus Christ, that was it, insane. Like, yeah, that was that. I mean, that should have been illegal. <laughs> they messed them up. Um, but but they're doing that with a very distinct purpose, and it's and it's not to make sure they have the best talent, but it's to offer cannon fodder f- to boast up uh, their their roster, like their homegrown roster. And I get it, but I mean, I wish it wasn't because people are so much bigger. Maybe mm-hmm. if they were just better, would would be uh, a little more to my taste. Well, there's a reason there's weight classes, right? Like that that's what is so obvious to me when I'm looking at this. Like DJ looked tiny. Compared yeah. to Maroy, so I thought. Yeah, and especially when you're when you're talking about the the stringent hydration test, like like you've gone through this so called scientific way to determine what's a safe weight to compete at, and one guy looks like he just stepped out out of kindergarten, and the other one looks like he plays for a varsity football team. No, this does not make any sense whatsoever. So some somebody doing something wrong. <laughs> Okay, uh, and I and I apologize in advance to Rich Franklin right now, who's holding a, a cup of pee in the hotel with some Hawaiian shorts on. <laughs> it does feel like the, the the advantage here is that they know how to game this system. The guys who have been in one championship know how to game the system, and the guys who are coming over from the UFC just don't. That's just I know. Look, I I get that they're trying to be progressive with this weight cut and stuff, but we've got no solid information about how it's different, right? Like we we can't just take it at face value like they're crazy viewing figures and just go, well, more people watch one championship than the UFC. And well, one championship hydrate their fighters better. We don't actually understand how these things work or even know if they're true, right? Yeah, like I, I think the moment they start making these ridiculous claims about viewership and how much reach they have and whatnot, like you, you've already, you're on the honor system already and you've shown how responsible you are with it. Like you, you clearly don't know what to do with the honor system. So how am I to believe? And then also, let's remember the the um, the uh, Vada testing that they were supposed supposedly doing, and that ended up being a, a complete falsehood. So we're going to give you credit um, for doing the hydration test right when you clearly do everything else wrong. Pass, fam. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not buying it. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Love the tangents, you guys. Like I said, I don't have to. I don't have to do anything today. This is great. So let's uh, <laughs> so let's wrap up Kumite real quick. Let's go to the fifth topic. We will be voting on this one. So chat, put your answer in the uh, live chat section right now. Who should take this one, Pizzi or Anthony? And we've got the head- just fucking pick Anthony, you scumbags. <laughs> I don't give a fuck anymore. Just just with your heart. If your heart says sexy and efficient, you know what to do. If you like it, unshevelled and freckly, this guy. <laughs> Oh, right. We are, yeah, I was like, I don't know what that word is, but okay. Well, we've got we've got some uh, headlines being created today. So, all right. So, you guys are putting it in the chat. Thank you for that. So, Jimmy Flick. So, what do you make of his sudden retirement? That obviously happened. I think it was three or four days ago. So, we're just gonna talk about that. So, what do you make of that um, retirement by Jimmy Flick? So, let's jump to the chat. Uh, Faith, no, Mac is not here. Sorry. Uh, Air Cool, Balian's also not here. So I love the way they go on the fifth one every week. They just go aces are wild. <laughs> like they just always go. <laughs> there's there's literally just no no rules. I think did Tommy uh, Tall get a vote? No, Tommy didn't actually. I think oh, wow, Pizzi might upset. might be leading this Aww. one. It's real. I'm making sure there's no duplicates. I'm making sure we're not counting a bunch. 
yeah. I feel unappreciated. I think disheveled and freckly, baby. Disheveled and freckly. I think I think we back. this one. So all right. Pizzi, one minute. Give us uh, your thoughts on the Jimmy Flick sudden retirement starting now. It's so refreshing to hear a fighter say these things, to be honest. Like the media members are the people who are always talking about this. The pay is a disgrace. It's very hard to get by on that entry level UFC wage. And everybody who is a fan of the sport, they should be the ones that are talking to the UFC about this, who are putting the UFC to task about this. Because at the end of the day, the fighters are getting in there for your entertainment and putting their brains on the line for you. So um, I think, thought it was an amazing interview he did with Mike Heck from my old team at MMAfighting.com. Uh, it, it's about 40 minutes long, but that will give you a great understanding of where he's coming from. And really how difficult it is for a fighter who's entering the UFC, who has a family like Jimmy has. And I think it's incredibly brave. He's going to release a book. um, And I believe his decision will play a big part in that. And that will be a main theme in it. But I'm really, really proud of him for coming out and speaking like that. And every fighter should be congratulating him on being so candid and honest about a system of pay that really isn't working for the entry-level fighters in the UFC. Nice. All right. Anthony. Wrap up the Kumite Crunch. Give us your thoughts on Jimmy Flick's sudden retirement starting now. So damn sexy. So sexy and efficient. You got one minute starting now. It's going to be very hard to be efficient on this one because this uh, this retirement opens up so many doors of conversation. Uh, the first thing I'll say is MMA retirements typically don't last, and I hope I pray that this one does i hope that jimmy flick sticks to his guns on this and if he does come back he comes back because the pay is right um so that that's what i want to see um this is this highlights several things like pay inequality sorry that's my son yelling in the background pay inequality (laughs) and then on top of that like the sacrifices that these these uh men and women have to go through in order to compete at the highest level how disgusting is it that someone um of jimmy flick's caliber like a world-class martial artist uh, competing in the in the biggest organization that sold for billions of dollars has to have a forty thousand uh, dollar a year job. How how much sense does that make? That this guy is taking shifts and then uh, going and fighting in the UFC? Absolutely ridiculous, and it won't change until more fighters do what he's doing and they stand up. Yeah, you know, um, Neil Siri, an Irish MMA legend, a guy who fought Haraguchi, uh, Pantoja, all these guys. Um, he had a full-time job throughout his UFC career, had four kids. Like he, He's my favorite fighter I've ever covered, um, just in terms of how raw his story was. And he used to be saying all the time, he's like, these kids need to realize like, getting to the UFC isn't making it. It isn't making it. Like You aren't going to be rich from just getting to the UFC. It happens very rarely. It happens really rarely. Like even Conor McGregor was on that entry-level money at one stage. You have to work and work and work and be a complete anomaly in some cases to actually make a, a secure career that your family are secure, everything like that. It's an incredibly rare situation. So, you know, that that is – I, I think it's all. it always looks bad for the UFC who are, you know, trying to be NFL or are trying to be the NBA when they hear about these fighters having full-time jobs or just the general struggle of fighters – to survive on the wages that they provide. And given the given how violent the sport is, let's be honest, the whole idea of the sport is to be... Uh, to hurt someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it's just... Look, I, I think I think no matter what we say, it's going to mean more coming from Jimmy. And I think all of the publications to try and give this guy the biggest platform he can. I hope the guy... 
really gets into management or something because he has his head screwed on right. He like fighters need to listen to what this guy is saying and stop being afraid to voice their opinions. At the end of the day, the UFC go out of their way to tell you that you're not employees of your your sole traders, your sole contractors. So start talking like you are. This doesn't make sense. It really doesn't, and it never has. So I'm glad to see someone taking a stand like that. I really I can't congratulate and praise the man more for what he's done. Again, check out Mike Heck's interview. Uh, on what the heck it's about 40 minutes long it's on youtube amazing yeah like joaquin buckley had a a stunning stunning all-time great knockout last year um that was crazy enough to have the president calling dana white to talk about it um and going viral and having kanye west make a song a trash song it was horrible um but he made like Kanye West, one of the biggest stars in the world, making a song uh, inspired by that. And this guy, the the next Monday, was working his shift manager uh, job at CVS. Like, come on now, what what are we doing here? The the um the idea of the UFC being on the level of the NFL or the MLB or any other major sporting entity is laughable. If the fighters have to take jobs to make ends meet, uh, let's also not forget TJ Grant, who one injury. Yeah spoiled the the opportunity of a lifetime for him and he never was able to just um secure his family's finances long enough to have a training camp to make good on a lifelong career in mma so this is what the the athletes are dealing with jimmy flick is clearly thinking beyond having a shiny belt around his waist he's thinking about what the future is going to be like with his family um and and that's a, a very smart man right there yeah uh, you you brought it up there and and um You've actually just sparked a memory in my head of Joaquin Buckley's amazing knockout and all this kind of like Dana White nodding into, oh, he, he'll get paid. He'll get paid. Do you think he got like a substantial bonus for that kick? Because, you know, I heard interviews with him afterwards where he was still working that job and I'm not convinced that he did. Yeah, I mean, what what's substantial? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, because it's, it definitely wasn't anything to keep him out of that job. And how much yeah. money? Like how much money is that going to generate for the UFC playing that? I'm sure it's in the Baba O'Reilly sequence they play. They used to play anyway oh. at the start of the pay per views. Like they're going to use that kick so many times, right? Like it just feels yeah. crazy. I, I'd be very surprised if like uh, some animation of that isn't on the next EA Sports game and stuff. Like that's just going to be a moment that lives throughout time. Um, and while that moment is living out through time, this man is going to be working a cash register, and that's that's really disgusting. That's absolutely horrible tough man it's a tough it's the horror business all right well this is going great today i love it i'm just sitting back (laughs) relaxing guys so all right so we have officially wrapped the kumite so now we're going to kind of move into the general chat we do have a few super chats that i'm going to read off for um anthony and pt i don't know if you guys can see it on your screen but i'll read them off and preface them so um we'll get those tackled and then general chat like this is the time it's open we there's not too many people in here. We do look at the chat. We want to talk to you. So if you have questions, topics, anything, you don't have to super chat. We love them and appreciate them, but we're just going to dive into the general chat. So let's kind of knock these uh, super chats out real quick. So the first one was $4.99 from James Amodi. I might be saying that wrong, but uh, they said they need to pay somebody to fight Amanda Nunes who has a chance. So Anthony, Pizza, you guys got any uh, thoughts on that? Is there somebody that they- it, Well, if you're going to find... If, the thing is, if you're going to pay someone to uh, have a chance against Amanda Nunes, that means you have to find someone that has a chance against <laughs> Amanda Nunes. 
Yeah, so that that's like we got to keep these things in the proper order. So I don't think there is someone that that is going to give her a rightful challenge, despite how loud Juliana Pena screams that it's her. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I agree, but I also uh, I also think that they should just give it to Pena because at least she's trying to create something. She's trying to create a narrative there or something. You know, like it. It's so hard to sell an Amanda Nunes fight right now, man. I think it's harder than it was when Anderson Silva was at the top of his game, when he was just wiping out cats left, right, and center. Amanda is so dominant, man. Like, I mean, and it's it's kind of crazy that Megan Anderson goes in and fights her. And, and, you know, this should be the pinnacle of the featherweight division, right? Like, this should be the second best person in the featherweight division against the first best. If they had any kind of sentiment about the future of that division they should have never let megan anderson go into that fight and not have a contract ready for her coming out of it like the fact that you can lose to the champion and then not have a future in that division speaks to how little of a plan they have for that division i i think um i think the only person that would be really interesting that isn't in the ufc right now is kayla harrison and she's still a million miles away right like it's still not like oh she's gonna go in there and take her down and it's gonna be so much trouble it's just I still think Amanda smokes her. It's just she's the best of the best, the best we've ever seen in women's MMA. And um, for me, I'm happy to see her go, go in there and just do what she does. Like, that's that's enough for me. I love watching greatness, and that's what she is. But I, I completely sympathize with the person who's asked us the question because, of course, you want to see this person challenged. But I think it's going to be a long time. Maybe she'll even do what we'd all love to see and retire um, on this amazing run. I, I'd love to see that person. Yeah, I, I don't. If if uh, for, for your man to ask that question, don't hold your breath waiting for that that proper challenge to to uh, to step forward because I think she's going to retire before we see any any cracks in that armor. Wouldn't that be lovely? Like if that became a trend, like Habib did. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I saw so many fans and Dana going, "Come on, how do we let him leave like that?" Because it was one of the most beautiful, respectful exits from the sport ever. The guy all has his full faculties. We've never even seen him dropped. That's amazing. We should be celebrating that retirement. Yeah. Cool. All right. We got a few more super chats. We've got uh, actually two from Roger P. The first one was a $5. So he said, a shout out to the most skilled to ever strap on MMA gloves, Mighty Mouse. Bummer, though, it must have been hard for, or must have been for DJ to lose. He showed class in defeat. So, you guys got any thoughts about Mighty Mouse's defeat and how he handled it? I mean, Mighty Mouse has always handled himself with a, a great deal of class, so I'm I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you look at the times we've seen him lose before, like the loss to Cejudo, um, no matter how close it was, the loss to Dominic Cruz. Like he he's a guy who's always held his head high, regardless. And and also at the same time, like he would win and be considered one of the greatest and have these um, impressive performances, and would barely would, would you would not see the ego rise on him. Like this is a guy who's been pretty even killed and pretty humble and and pretty respectful throughout. Um, like I can remember being at a, as a fan at a, a Q and A for for UFC one ninety nine, and at some point my my friend that met me there was like, yeah, I, I just saw Demetrius Johnson like in the parking lot at the forum just chilling like waiting for an Uber. And like people just come up to him talking, it's like like that's just the, the type of dude he is. He'd be there at fight week and not too interested in the fight. He just want to talk video games. Like this is a guy who, despite mixed martial arts paying his bills, he knows he's more than a mixed martial artist. So his life and his ego and his identity is not staked solely on that. And he, it shows when he wins and when he loses. 
Yeah, and I think like he has every right to to hold his head high. Like that guy's legacy is not moving. Like what he did is unprecedented, is unbelievable. We'll probably never see it again. So I mean, why wouldn't I, I don't feel like, oh my god, the Demetrius Johnson myth. We, we we all thought he was this good. Like it, it's he was that good. He's still that good. He's fighting a higher weight class. You know, it, it, I I don't I don't feel like his legacy has been impacted by that loss, really. And I, I'm sure he feels the same way. Yeah. Cool. All right, we got another one from Roger P. Um, also, Roger P. in the chat did say, "Well said, Ant. He's in my top three fighters. I'd love to meet." So. It's cool hearing those stories. So another one from Roger though, ten dollars. So we kind of talked about the uh, the Dustin and Poirier or the Dustin and Connor beef <laughs> earlier. So what are the chances that Dustin and Connor, the brouhaha, as he said, is just marketing? I think the bus was meant as such for Connor and Habib, but Habib didn't play that way, so it got bad. Dustin might. Is this just a sales tactic? So we kind of talked about May that. I can but tell you, I can promise you that the bus thing was no bullshit. Like that. That yeah, that was that was all the way real. Yeah, that that was that is, real. That is um that was one hundred percent. Now it doesn't matter because they still use it as marketing anyway, right? While saying it's the most despicable act in the world, they're also simultaneously playing it on loop. So we buy the pay per view. Um, I think Ant is probably as a more of opinion on this in terms of was it a work the whole charity thing? I don't. I just took it at face value, to be honest. I didn't even think about that till I heard him talking about it, so I don't want to take his opinion and regurgitate it. Yeah, Ant, See, I, w- I don't think it was a work necessarily because I-, I think Dustin would play into that, but he's the one that said, hey, you didn't pay the- this for the charity. Like, you didn't donate. So if if Connor at some point said, that's why I didn't pay the charity bill and gave him the middle finger, my son has an opinion on this also. Um <laughs> I, I would um I would be more inclined to think it was a work uh, and, and Dustin just played along with it. But no, he brought it up. So it's probably real. But at the same time, I don't think Dustin really is getting too irate about it. I think he's just he's a guy who has fun on Twitter also. Like this is a guy who when his wife tweeted out something about them being quarantined, he 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 um, retweeted it with like an eggplant emoji. Like what's going to happen with him alone? with his wife? So It is. He has fun on online. And I think this is maybe he's having fun with this, um, but I, it's not like a work necessarily. Clearly marketing, though, maybe not a work. Yeah, I think like it's it will get under McGregor's skin more than anything anyone could say, really, because. A big part of rebuilding his image has been focused on this uh, philanthropy, right? Like his his giving to charity. And and look, credit to the guy. He's done a lot of that. Like, geez, he's he's donated millions to charity. But I think the fact that that's the thing they're targeting on, I I really think that is probably the most angry he's been with a fighter since that bus incident. (laughs) I I can genuinely see him being irate about that, you know? And and the fact that Audi Attar, his manager, is on Twitter giving it socks as well. That says to me, like, that he, like Dustin, whether he intended to or not, has certainly rattled his cage. And I'm sorry if this is playing into the marketing, guys. <laughs> you disappoint me. You disappoint me, Let's <laughs> say We're just feeding into it now, too. But no, great questions, Roger. We appreciate Connor it. Connor is so angry. He told me that he's going to kill Dustin <laughs> He's back. <laughs> All right, we got to. They need to ban illegal calf kicks. The man's calf was a balloon. It's a joke. Conor McGregor returns July 10th. UFC 264. He's angry. It's personal. 
<laughs> that really that really could be a promo. I like that. I enjoyed that. So all right, a few I more. And use it as a, one of them voiceovers they do on the countdown shows to piss you off, and you'll be snapping. <laughs> like, they didn't pay me, damn it. Like, <laughs> man, you know they ain't going to pay me. If they don't pay their own finance, you know they ain't going to pay me. So let, me <laughs> let me give it up. Oh, Lord. All right, we got a few more Super Chats to get through. The next one we got is Brian Young, $4.99. Thank you so much. Fingers crossed we get Lawton's take on a Kumite Crunch segment sometime soon. Maybe. We live in hope. Yeah, maybe. Hey, I actually, I actually speak about, we'll touch on this really quick. I have done a few kumites, but I literally had to prep for them like on Monday because I didn't want to just embarrass, I already embarrassed myself doing these and everything else in life. But I was like, I'm not going to look like a jackass doing a kumite that I have no idea. I can't remember what the topic was, but Jason was like, you're going to take one. And I was like, all right, cool. So I do. And maybe we can, um, maybe we can incorporate me doing a topic a week. I'll, I'll talk to the, I'll talk to the higher ups and see what we can do there. But, uh, appreciate your, you do what? You get as sexy as ant and then just change the topic of conversation and win the people over. Cause that's, yeah. we haven't seen that before. And that happened today. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'll make a call for you. Okay, Girl. cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys could, uh, could uh, harass the higher ups in the organization to, to get me some more spotlight. They just, they don't, they don't utilize my skills. No, just kidding. But Brian, Stop thank you. Stop blocking his shine. <laughs> so reflection beautifully off your skin too, Lawton. We need to see more of that. Oh, well, thank you so much. You guys are just, oh my gosh, this is such a, such a beautiful Wednesday. So, uh, Brian, thank you for your $4.99. We got, uh, two more. We got one from flying Grayson for $5. Do you guys think UFC fighters aren't doing as well because one doesn't have USADA? So we kind of touched on this with the uh, with the one fights and all their every fun thing going on with that. So do you think that has something to do with maybe not uh, having a USADA, or is it more along the lines of what we kind of talked about earlier? I think it's like the rules set. First of all, you change the rules, you change the game. That's that's just the that's the whole thing. Like if I'm a football player or a soccer player, I can go to any country in the world and I'm playing the same game. In MMA, it's not like that. So I think as soon as you move the rule set, you're completely changing the sport. So um, I think that's a factor. I think the weight thing, though, for me, and that's the biggest thing, the the UFC guys are fighting guys from a weight class, at least one weight class above them. And I think that's the biggest issue for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. The weight class is is bigger than than anything because despite the fact that we have USADA and you know and drug testing in the United States and whatnot, uh, there we're still pretty certain a lot of people are, are getting by w- without um you know without being uh, pissing hot or whatever. So it's going to be the weight classes. That's much more of a factor. Uh, someone roided up at. 155 still weighs 155 but if you say you're 155 and you're really like 185 eh, you feel the difference there so um i think the weight classes are definitely more uh impactful than that and the rules i mean obviously the rule set when you think about a, a, a fighter whose wrestling attack is such a heavy part of their game you know the knees who are grounded opponent for a wrestler are so crucial because a lot of those positions that you normally are safe in you're not and we saw that with dj like he was getting he was trying to get up and would in uh unified rules would have been a safe way to get up to kind of put the hand up and post one hand on the ground and 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 try to stand up um but when you got a knee coming at you it just doesn't mean anything so that changes everything and having the guy who knees you his thigh is bigger than you big factor (laughs) That'll uh, that'll do it. 
All right, we got uh, one more super chat from Red Menace for $5. Thank you so much. So Christian Lee said that he's the best lightweight in the world. How do you think no, he... <laughs> Can I finish the question, PT? How do you... Hold on, my screen's cutting off, actually. I hate this format I have. So how do you think he'd do against the UFC's top 10 right now at 155 or 170? So Christian Lee, thoughts? Who wants it? You oh. go ahead and I'll get the rankings up here so we can actually... Uh... Right, you ready, Ant? Number one, Paul Felder v. Christian Lee. How does it go? Uh, Paul Felder. Yeah. Number nine, Benil Dariush v. Christian Lee. How's it go? Dariush, as long as he doesn't do anything silly. Dan Hooker v. Christian Lee. How's it go? Dan Hooker. Rafael Dos Anjos v. Rafael Christian Dos Anjos. Lee. Conor McGregor v. Christian Conor Lee. Conor McGregor. <laughs> Tony Ferguson v. Christian Lee. Tony Ferguson. Michael Chandler v. Christian Lee. Michael Chandler. Charles Oliveira v. Christian Lee. Oh, uh, Oliveira. Justin, uh, Justin Gaethje v. Christian Lee. Oh, man, I think that's a tough one. I'm going to say Justin Gaethje? Never Slaughter? heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Poirier v. Christian Lee. Dustin Poirier by Murder, Death, Kill. And then, of course, the retired Habib Nurmagomedov v. Christian Lee. How do you think that one goes? Christian Lee by Flying on La Plata. Completely agree with everything he's just said. <laughs> so wait, you guys are saying Christian Lee is not the best lightweight in the world. Is that what I'm hearing? He's number 11. <laughs> he he may not be the best lightweight in one championship. So yeah, like, no, he's not. Like, that's, wait, that's hang on. funny. Should we really be putting him against the 145ers? That's why I get so confused at one. He's the lightweight champion. That means he's a featherweight, right? I'm so confused. So someone yeah, actually just said that. They said Christian Lee would fight at featherweight in the UFC, to be honest. Okay, right. I'll deal with this a lot quicker. <laughs> Max Holloway, no. Brian Ortega, no. Zabit, no. Yair Rodriguez, no. Chan Sung Jun, no. Calvin Cater, no. Josh Emmett, no. Arnold Allen, no. Dan Ige, no. Jeremy Stevens. Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the perfect... Mm. No, no, not really. No. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, this this is like this is like when they when one had their their fighters like picking out who would be on the MMA Mount Rushmore and like Angela Lee was one of the choices. It's like, come on, fam. Like really. Hey, we're, remember she was really doing this? Joanna? Remember she was like genuinely on Ariel's show calling out Joanna when Joanna was at the height of her power. I still think Joanna's an all timer. She's one of the greatest European fighters ever. But um I couldn't believe that. I was like, "Are you serious, man?" <laughs> the thing is, I appreciate the the uh, confidence in your own abilities, and I think every fighter needs that. It's sort of like like being a rapper, you know. It's like you, if you if you're gonna be a rapper, you got to feel like you're the greatest rapper out. Like, cool, be that, but that doesn't mean it's true. So that's sort of what we're going here. Angela Lee, Christian, they can feel as confident, and and they can whoop my ass easily. But um, it, so let's let's not make no mistake. I'm not I'm not fanboy uh, fighting fighters or nothing like that. Um, but at the same time, man, reality still exists, and they are not uh, among the the elites of of like all the organizations um, in the weight classes. Like you look at the UFC lightweight. Um, division that is a, a shark tank of all sorts of destructive capabilities. No, Christian Lee, that's that's not for you, fam. It's not. 
you mentioned rappers there and I think we should talk about DMX because I haven't got an opportunity to talk about him at all. Um, obviously passed away last week. He acted as an entry point for a lot of my friends and this sport uh, back in the early 2000s um, because Chuck Liddell would come out to the intro, it's dark and hell is hot. And really that was as easy as it was back then because DMX was such a big name. It was easy to go, this guy comes out to a DMX song and suddenly people were interested and you'd be watching highlight reels. And obviously there was a lot more. There was Anderson Silva's famous walkout. There was Rampage coming out to one more road to cross. I mean, it's this guy had a phenomenal impact on MMA, right? He even nearly fought in MMA once, I believe. DMX man like was so important to combat sports in general I mean I am I know I said this on my podcast and I'll say it again here like one of the best tribute tweets from the MMA community was Ariel Hawani's clip of Mike Tyson walking out to the ring and the announcers not knowing what was playing and it was the intro from his dark and hell is hot and they and they all they could say is wow Tyson is coming out to some really menacing and imposing music um, and that was like perfect like that. That's what DMX was. And if you've ever looked at a weight room, if you've ever put on a pair of gloves and hit a heavy bag, DMX is somewhere on your playlist. Um, yeah. I know for, for me, like when I was always lifting weights and stuff in high school, like that high school weight room will be hot and sweaty. And it was one of three albums playing. It was either Biggie's Ready to Die, the Machiavelli album or it's dark, it's dark and Hell is Hot. Those were the three things we were playing. That became such a big part of my workout life when I used to be in shape way, way back when. And Still it's pretty been, sexy. Oh, well, yeah, I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to make you happy, PC. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's been such a big part of fight culture, of of fitness culture, and everything. Like his music is is incredible. And and for me personally, like it's so difficult for me to separate my emotions about it. Um, from his music and everything, because it's like he put so much of himself into his music that you feel like you know him after every album, like you know him, and and that is it's been it's been rough, and and I'm a diehard hip hop fan, as some of y'all probably already know. Um, so th this one this one hit me hard. This this one really hurt. You're absolutely right in how you sum that up in terms of he he is the perfect voice for MMA, especially right. He's aggressive. He's passionate. You know, he's a wild man as well. He was always a bit crazier than the other rappers. It was very unpredictable. And that that was the whole sport at the start. The, when Chuck Liddell was coming out to him, that's why it was such a perfect representation. Even like with his kind of satanic vibes you'd hear in the Damien songs, right? Like it all kind of played into those affliction pit bull shorts, all that kind of stuff. It really, it really couldn't have been a better guy from the rap industry to, to kind of make that transition into MMA and make it something bigger, really. Yeah, like if you if you liken certain rappers to to sports and whatnot, you say like like Jay Z may have been may have been like sitting in the owner's box at the Super Bowl. Um, you know, maybe maybe Drake is Drake is like courtside seats at a Lakers game or something. DMX is sitting in the nosebleeds with sticky seats uh, at at some some backwoods MMA show and 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 there's people are fighting all in the wrong weight classes and you got beer spilling all over. That that was DMX. Um, and what a what a um a, a great guy as far as music is concerned. What a what a great um great lyricist, great artist, um, and someone who, without realizing it, impacted fight culture quite a lot. So uh, keep DMX in your playlist. I like he stays in mind, always has been. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Love it. Love that tangent. 
Rest in peace, DMX. That was, yeah, that was not fun news last week. So um, let's dive into the chat just real quick. We got about 20, 25 more minutes. So if you guys got some questions or comments, leave them in the chat. I see Aircool um, had a question from earlier. He said, thoughts on where Pitbull stacks up to the UFC top five featherweights? So I know we kind of just ranked against oh. Christian Lee, but what do you guys think about that? Where's Pitbull fall? I, I think Pitbull's a savage. I think he's up there, pound for pound list. He's undeniable at this stage, especially like, look, look, he, he's beat the guy who was fighting for the lightweight title in the UFC. And he's the featherweight champion and lightweight champion of Bellator. I mean, it's inarguable to me at this point. Um, so many times I've been like, oh, this is the guy. Oh, Pitbull. I think we're going to see the, the crown slip this time. And he just goes in and does what he does. Um, he's an amazing champion. I think he's brilliant. I, I, I have him in my top five pound for pound, probably, to be honest. Yeah. I'm wholeheartedly agree with that. Like, if if I oh. Pitbull was about to fight Volkanovski, I seriously would have would not be sure who I'm picking. I, I would I would really have a big question mark whether Volkanovski and Pitbull, like who's gonna win that fight. Um that that's how good Pitbull is. Like he's he's amazing. So uh, he need he needs that respect. Like that guy is a pound for pound talent. He is one of the few guys that I think outside of the UFC can immediately step in at the at the height of a division and wreck shop. So I, I favor him against a good portion of the the top ten in the UFC's featherweight division. Absolutely, nice. Yeah, I agree with you. Cool. All right, let's go back to the chat for some more. Um... Let's see, Brian Yao, might be saying that last name wrong. Uh, can y'all talk about the fall of Jorge Masvidal and becoming the very thing he hated? He was one of the most liked and respected fighters not long ago. Y'all got any thoughts on that? It's kind yeah, of- we, we, the last time we did this, so many people got upset with us. People shit the bed left, right, and center. <laughs> so can we just clarify, Brian has asked this question, so now we're going to answer it, okay? <laughs> that, that's what's going to happen here. We have to talk about this issue so here we go. Look, they're, they're, like as a guy who is not from America and, and just looking at what happened there, you know, like it's undeniable to me. Like the, the guy completely, he, he definitely caused some friction within the fan base. He had so many people going, finally, this guy is getting this respect. And he came out with a lot of this information that was proven wrong about different political things that I don't really know much about. And, and people, that, that does affect people. When people... Are, see misinformation being put out there they're gonna have a reaction to it and that's undeniable to me but i will say i watched his interview with ariel hawani and in terms of when that guy gets into the cage i have no problems with that i am happy days i love what the guy stands for in terms of combat sports and everything like that but it's the other stuff it's the politics that i feel that he's alienated a lot of his fan base with and i'm sure aunt agrees with me based on our last conversation Yeah, definitely, definitely want to give you a big thumbs up for for that one, PT. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, it, if if there's anyone in the uh, sport of mixed martial arts that needs a PR team like yesterday, it's Jorge Masvidal. Like that's I and mean, that's really it. Just seems like just bad PR moves left and right. I mean, to the point where that whole thing where he was on Fox News and they couldn't even give him enough respect to like put his name across the screen and it was just like they said like mexican ufc fighters like he's not mexican oh first God. and like he has a name <laughs> you know like so he's caping for people who don't even respect him as an individual and he's riding out with that and putting out this different disinformation on twitter the pr people need to be on him left and right and make sure that someone snatches his phone and doesn't let him tweet just just leave it at that man because come on come on jorge you're better than that 
Yeah. Just... Yeah, I think it's it's actually like I think Ant sums it up very well there. It's because we all were delighted for Jorge Masvidal. All the media members were like, finally, here's a great story. A guy who's been around for years just hitting this magic moment. And But you can't ignore when things like this happen, right? Like, that's our job. We're meant to comment on these kind of things. And even for me, a guy who wasn't involved with this Republican v. Democrat stuff that wasn't affecting me. I'm not in the U.S. It's obvious to me. It's as clear as day what happened there. Yeah, it's it's just amazing to me that the level of money and resources behind him that someone didn't just stop him and be like, hey, don't don't do this. Like, just just don't do that. And then to have his manager jumping in some of these Twitter debates with people yeah. were just so wrong, like so blatantly wrong. And all it takes is the most simple, basic Google search to tell you that you are wrong. Um, and it's still riding out. It's just it's it's the blind leading the blind essentially like i i feel like ray charles and stevie wonder hopped in the car and they gr- and they going somewhere they don't know where you're going that's 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 what it's like and jorge is done such a disservice to his own career after for years like we've looked at him as one of the dark horses in the 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 lightweight and welterweight divisions like man if this guy got a fair shot he could be a star if this guy got a fair shot he might have gold around his waist like we were talking about jorge Masvidal as one of the best in the world for a very very long time and he finally gets there and we finally see the the general public understanding who he is understanding what he's capable of as a fighter and seeing the personality which i think at least my personal interactions with him have been pretty cool like i think he's a nice guy um it's like, okay yeah this is a guy you, you probably could get along with like he's okay to talk to he's, he's not a bad person um but then to just completely sabotage it like a marketable guy that's 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 good looking that's that's fun to listen to and engaging and just just sabotaging your own self man after all that all those years of toiling um around all these different promotions around the world to very little fanfare it, it's it's criminal yeah here isn't helwani turned into like the oprah of mma i text him after i watched the masvidal interview and i was like you know there was so much negative sentiment around masvidal but when he's talking about fights, it's impossible not to like the guy, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's the situation. Like, but, And that's why I feel like he could have been even bigger than he is now. I still think the guy's a star. I don't, I don't debate that for a second. I just feel he could have been even bigger, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I, th- I think you're right on that. And he and Ariel uh, has been the Oprah of MMA for a long time. Like he'd been because, you know, you know, when when a fighter messes up real bad, they mess up, they do some real messed up stuff. And next time they, they do that little walk around the park with Ariel, they sit in somewhere, they sit in, <laughs> in the like, you know, you messed up. You know you messed up. Like remember, he took John it as a compliment. Walker. I did not mean that as an insult at all. By the way, oh, Oprah's no, amazing. No, that's a compliment. I, um, he's making. Oh, my, my son is trying to take my back scratcher off my desk. Like, no, no, <laughs> have that. Um, I, I what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the Oprah MMA thing. Like, you remember when John Jones like got into yes. whatever horrible mess he got himself into at that point in time? I think it was the hit and run, if I'm not mistaken. And he's and he's walking around Albuquerque without his beard. Like he shaved the beard off, and 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 he's got this heart to heart with Ariel. Like, when you do that, you know you messed up. You know you messed up. So, yeah, Jorge, make make that walk around the park with Ariel again, man. It helped. He, he, he has the ability to absolve these guys for some reason, even though he didn't, like, take back anything he said. Like, at the hey, end Ariel. of the interview, I left going, I can't wait to see Jorge Masvidal fight, you know? Yeah, I thought he was going to give him, like, one of those holy crackers and, and bless him. Wani <laughs> <laughs> out here forgiving sins. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's dive to the chat for a few more before we run out of time. So our OG El Laliet, what's up? Good to see you as always. Uh, asked your opinion about Jack Shore and should the UFC sign his Cage Warrior successor, Jack Cartwright? I don't know those names, but do you two? <laughs> um, yeah, the, the situation Cartwright is in, he had a controversial outing the last time against a Polish fighter, uh, Sylvester, I believe his name was. And the, the issue was, Sylvester did a great job of taking Jack down. And Jack has looked like a complete savage. This is Jack Cartwright, by the way. He's looked like an animal um, all the way through his cage warriors run. He's a fantastic talent. But I think in this situation, the fight was called basically due to illegal headbutts. Um, every time the uh, Sylvester was in, was on top of Cartwright in his guard, he was kind of striking him with the head, which eventually made uh, referee Rich Mitchell, who warned Sylvester on several occasions before he called it, he forced him to call a stoppage of the fight. So I think Cartwright 100% is going to be in the UFC. I have no doubt about it. If you look back through Cage Warriors history at 135, you've got Shaw, you've got Nathaniel Wood, you've got Brett Johns, you've got so many guys that already made that walk. And, and Cartwright looks straight up like another one of those guys, but I do feel as though... He needs to uh, right the wrong there from the Sylvester fight. Even though he comes away with the DQ win, he needs to do it properly. And you also have Jake Hadley at 125, who I think is the best flyweight in Europe, without a doubt. He's a little savage. They're both two mean dudes. So I'd love to see them fight. Jake Hadley really wants it. But um, as for Jack Shaw, amazing performance against uh, Azor. I think he looks so composed for a guy this early in his career. He doesn't take crazy risks. I think when he gets to the higher levels of the division, we'll see him take some crazy risks. Really mature, really composed. And I love the whole story there with him and his father, Richard Shaky Shaw in his corner. Look, what's happening in Wales at the moment in the UK is incredible. They're having their Irish MMA moment like they had with Connor, But... They don't have a Connor, not many countries do, but they have a Jack Shaw. And behind Jack Shaw is the likes of Mason Jones and a lot of other to Corey McKenna also on the UFC uh, roster. You have Brett Johns now moving over to Bellator. It's a really vibrant scene there and it's only going to keep growing. So I think the more success Jack has, the better it is for Welsh MMA. So I hope he continues. He's a fantastic guy, an absolute gentleman. And um, great to see him having another great performance. 14 and 0, or is it 15 and 0 now? I'm not too sure, but uh, I think he has an incredible future. Only 26 years of age. Yeah. You said that so perfectly. There's literally nothing I can add to that, and I won't attempt to. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park, Pete per usual. All right, guys, we got just about uh, 10 more minutes. So if you got any more questions, feel free to um, put them in the chat. And if, if PT and Anthony, if you guys got something you want to go off about, feel free to. I'm just kind of skimming the chat. I, I had a question I saw earlier. Oh, yeah. So um, I asked. Uh, yeah. So, Daniel, I, I saw your question. I, I don't know if you mean political or potential, but uh, the question reads, can you all rank these up and up and coming heavyweight contenders in terms of political? I think he meant potential. Um, and the four names were gone, Romanov, Bozer, and Aspinall. So I don't know if that's a good topping point for you guys. You want to kind of... Gan's number one for me. Um, then Aspinall. And who were the other two guys? Uh, Romanov and Bozer. Yeah, I'd probably go Romanov, then Bozer. But I'm not I'm not up on those guys, so I could have that arseways. Apologies. Yeah. I'm I'm with PT on that one. Gone is definitely my number one and I kinda and Aspinall be two, but the rest are kinda the, the other two they're kinda interchangeable. Um 
I, the thing is, we have to see more of them. Like, I think I'm really high on Gon simply because we just seen so little of him as an MMA fighter. Period. It was he's had what 21 rounds or something uh, as a as a pro MMA fighter, and he's performed as well as he has. That just seems super promising to me. So I'm looking forward to that. And then also too, I think I think if you had a fight with him and Ngannou in the future, should be very interesting considering their backstory with one another. Um, yeah. So that I, I'm really excited about that idea in particular. Yeah, and, and the thing with Gan, he's like Fernand Lopez needs some respect, man. Like he is such a foundation on that French MMA scene. He was a driving force of that scene uh, of MMA being made legal in France. And fair enough, Francis has gone in separate ways now. He's with Eric Nixick, he's with Dewey Cooper. Um, but he's doing it again. What he did with Francis, like he's taking a guy that had no MMA experience into MMA and having outraged success. Cyril Gann was a decorated kickboxer. He was fighting for titles in his second fight in MMA and then in the UFC at 4-0, I believe. This is outstanding. I think the UFC's issue at the moment is, for years and years, they had the same old guys hanging around in the heavyweight division. What's really promising now is we have all these new names and fans asking questions about these guys, but the issue they have now is trying to keep all these dudes away from each other. We don't want to see Gan v. Aspinall because we know in the future they're going to make really interesting title fights, whether it's one of them as champion or it's Nganu, um, his era unfolding, or whether it's someone else, it's John Jones, if he ever gets paid enough. But I, I think it's in a really great place. We have all this new energy, all these new stories in the heavyweight division, which is something that the UFC haven't really been able to do for the last decade. So I think that's a really, really promising sign for the organization. Nice. Cool. Any more thoughts on that? Are you guys good? We actually have another uh, super chat that just came in, and I really hope someone made this account since this live chat started. It's from Sexy and Efficient. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. There's, there's yes. no way yes. that's a coincidence. That had to have been made. So props to you, and if you didn't do that on purpose, that is highly Imagine. ironic. But uh, $2 super chat, so thank you so much. And the question is, after Piotr and Aljo rematch, who's next at Bantamweight? So, uh, the winner of Sanhagen and Dillashaw, I would say off the top of my head, mm, has to be. And and look, the the thing is, they're doing right by Sanhagen here. I feel because Jan had the moment against um, Aldo. Obviously, Sanhagen's already had that Frankie Edgar moment. Like that's the way to use these veterans. I mean, I know it sounds horrific, but that's what the UFC do. They use fighters. And TJ Dillashaw is coming back. He's not a well liked man for obvious reasons. If Sandhagen goes in there and finishes him in any way, even edges a decision, it's a huge win. It becomes a way bigger win than it ever was before because of all the baggage TJ is bringing into this. So I really have to commend UFC. We don't do that enough, I don't think, and so fair play to them on that match. Um, I think that's a really good fight. And I think Sandhagen is trouble for Jan. Uh, look, I, I think Jan beats Aljo based on what I saw in that first fight. Um, I, I, I honestly can't. I won't, I won't change my mind about that if they are to fight again. But um, Sandhagen, I feel, is a, a very weird weird striker, like a very dynamic fighter in all regards. So I, I think he's, he's going to be an excellent contender for whoever it is that is holding that title when he gets there. Yeah, Aljo, Aljo has a chance if, like, if Jan, like, when he 
goes to sit down and actually learn the rules, if like he has to think about things before he does and he hesitates a little bit, yeah, maybe Aljo wins in. But um, I, I think also we got to keep an eye on Garbrandt versus Rob Font. We we know the UFC awesome. loves to put Cody Garbrandt uh, in, in title fights. Rob Font is is on a tear as well. And depending on how that fight plays out, like I, I'd say if Rob Font gets like a really really crazy win. Uh, and that and Sanhagen, you know, maybe edges a decision. Maybe we're looking at Rob Font as as the next guy. Um, but I I still say Sanhagen will be the one to deserve it if he beats T.J. Dillashaw. And if Dillashaw wins, I I don't like him getting a title shot so soon after coming off of an EPO suspension. But it would make sense uh, because he didn't actually lose the belt in the cage. What do you think of this whole Aljo situation and the the surgery? Um, him talking about not wanting to fight Jan again. I mean, you got to fight Jan again. I think it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Is he trolling? Like, is he just taking the piss out of people now? Now, I think the injury thing is is pretty real. Like, you know, that's a a very serious injury. I forget what vertebrae it was. He needs some some Anything in the back of your neck, it's serious. Yeah, that's very, very serious. Uh, So so that, I think, is something that would have happened regardless. Like, if he won the belt in in, in a more legitimate means, then he probably would be going under the knife and taking some time off anyway. Um, So it just so happens that something crazy happen oh my god what did my son just do he just knocked something over um <laughs> he's an aljo fan he didn't like me saying that i apologize yeah I apologize. wow that boy needs to stay away from there um anyway um i think aljo is trolling to an extent and i think that's what he should do like because people people have i've been pointing the finger at him like he's the one that performed the illegal move and he's the one that that he faked getting need in the head and it affecting him you know, like it's it's the dumbest thing in the world. So like people are pointing to blame like he's the one that committed the foul. Have fun with it. Like piss people off. Why not? Like more people will buy you. And you being the champion now, um, you're going to get some pay-per-view points. You're going to get a little more pay most likely. So, yeah, piss people off. Make them hate click on, on buying that that next uh, that next fight. And if and I actually what I want him to do, I want him to say, I'm not fighting Peter Yan. Give me Dominic Cruz. Give me Eddie Wineland. Give me everybody that used to hold the band and weight title. And I would just piss everyone off so much and it would be so glorious. And I'd be sitting on a pile of money laughing, drinking uh, some sort of champagne, perhaps Ace of Spades. I don't know. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's, he's actually a, a lovely lad. I've, I've talked to him a lot of times. Aljo, he's a very likable person. Um, so it, it's interesting for me to see it go this way. But I think you're right. I think all he's really doing here is making the inevitable rematch with Piotr Jan even bigger. You know, I was talking about it in the lead up to that fight. There was three fight, title fights that night. And I was saying, this is the one. This is going to be the one. Like, this is an amazing story. We remember when Cejudo vacated the title. It was all about everybody wanted Jan v. Sterling. And then they do Jan v. Aldo instead, which made... Jan a bigger name, I think, because it was a great fight with Aldo. But I feel as though straight after what happened there with the illegal knee and the rifle DQ decision, that was already a huge fight. But this him now, this kind of trolling stuff, like regardless of how it makes people feel about Aljo, it's making people want to to watch Aljo fight a lot more, without a doubt. I completely Absolutely. Because even, even if people tune in to watch you lose... They're tuning in and they've got to pay to do that. So Floyd Mayweather, baby. The, yeah, the richest like, man to ever come out of combat sports. 
And ironically, Mayweather, who he, who Aljo has had some personal friction with before. So like, I heard about that. Yeah. 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 I, I talked with him about that in a way he, he was like, yeah, I was about to double leg and beat him up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty funny that, that that's the, the route he's going to take. And I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Make the best out of the situation for you. Line your pockets, get interest drummed up in you. Don't play into this narrative that, um, that, oh, because you didn't actually beat him like, in real competition blah 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 he's not the one who did wrong it was peter yan's fault that he got disqualified and it probably makes sense to go for the surgery now when you know you're guaranteed a big check right like he's the champion so he's guaranteed a big check the next time he fights so it probably does make sense to get the surgery sorted come back when you're ready and know that you're going into a big payday again Absolutely. And then on top of that, like you want to be healthy. Like he saw what it was like to fight Jan with whatever lingering injury he had. Maybe that made a difference to uh, to how he operated. So you want to be 100 percent. You want to be as close to optimal shape as possible. And if the surgery is going to be the thing to take you there, then let it be the thing to take you there and let you get there and and compete at your absolute best. Nice. All right. Well, chat. Beatsy, Anthony, if you guys got nothing else, it is right. How at do we the... do? Tell, tell the chat. Tell, I want to know from the chat. How do we get on here? I think this was marvelous. I had a great time. I thought it was smooth. Yeah. No, I'm definitely, definitely a fan of it. It's good conversations, good topics. We hammered through everything, had interaction. I'm pretty happy. So, um, like I said, we are wrapping up. We are at the hour and a half mark. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Real quick, just want to give another shout out to Venom for partnering with us. Uh, we do have a code on their website, MMA on Point, gets you 10% off everything. You can get these sweet shirts like this one. PT's not wearing one because Customs hates him and his hasn't made it yet. But please support them as they support us. And then, yeah, Anthony, PT, y'all got any last minute uh, sign offs you want to get get out? I'm going to try and work on my general sexiness before the next time Ant does this. I'll tell you that much. I just I hope I can do something. I've noticed my lack of a beard has really hurt me here, I think. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to try and force one out in the next week. Perfect. Yeah, you just got to just let yourself go, PC. That's what I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, um, I guess I'll give a shout out to this sloth toy that my son keeps playing with right by keeps sitting it on my desk and pressing the button and it's singing and making all this noise. I was trying to get my son over here. He keeps he's running over to me the whole time. But now I'm trying to, hey, come over here. Maybe you can get on camera. But now he wants to watch his cartoons quietly. So timing like of children that. on his terms yeah. only. Like, yeah, he's like, he's like, now I'm going to be cooperative. Um, so <laughs> as the show ends, thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, like I said, Anthony PT, thanks for joining us as always. Chat, good to see everybody. Uh, we had Balian's breakdown from this past weekend go up a few hours ago and a slight schedule change. Capoza's Corner will be going up tomorrow since we had Balian's today and this. We don't want to kind of flood it too much today so Kaposas will be live tomorrow i believe in the afternoon uh, u.s time or so wherever you are in the in the world but thanks again as always and we will see you guys on the next video and next week on the live chat so peace out everybody peace.